Hello friends and welcome to episode number 256 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick, he's Justin, you know the drill. We're back. Um, the Jays were 5-2 and two since we last recorded, which is pretty good. Correct. But they could have they could have been 7-0, and oh, if we're being honest. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. I don't like that start that we have here. This is... I expected you to agree with me, damn it. Um, fine, whatever. You know what, though? This team has improved. Like, we've seen... The pitching is unbelievably strong on this team. It's just the hitting is so frustrating. We'll talk about all of this stuff today. We'll talk about injury updates. We'll talk about the split with Cleveland, uh, the stomping of Boston, uh, Davis Schneider having that one good weekend we'll never forget. Um, and then also we'll preview the Cubs versus the Jays and maybe complain about a few guys uh, <laughs> along the way. Um, Justin... Let's just get right into the news because I'm actually, it's crazy. This team is very good at pitching, and it, it, it's going to be that much better when we get back some of these injured guys. So let's talk about that. For sure. Uh, obviously, the two big names are waiting to get back are Jordan Romano and Bo Bichette. There's good news on Jordan Romano, Patrick. He threw a 33-pitch bullpen yesterday, which was Wednesday. Um, the team is now discussing and waiting to see how he feels today and early tomorrow before they make a decision on whether or not to bring him back on Saturday, I believe is when he is first eligible to come off the IL or whether they will need to send him down to Buffalo for one or maybe two rehab appearances. So in all likelihood, either Jordan Romano comes off the IL on Saturday or maybe he comes off uh, Monday before or Tuesday before the Jays uh, play the Phillies. So that's kind of what we're looking at there. So good news. Only a few more games potentially without their all-star closer. Love to see that. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, Bo Bichette, he's uh, making progress, Patrick. He's taking dry swings and jogging now. Still no, like, uh, sprinting, no running the bases, no um, heavy impact hitting or anything like that. Um, still a little ways out. I mean, still it could have been – a season-ending injury, and now it's looking more like kind of mid to late August. I would, I mean, I'm, I personally, based on like where we've seen other guys in the past, when they say that they're running or taking swings and jogging, thinking back to Danny Jansen's hamstring injuries. Mm. Usually, when that was happening, he would be about like ten days away, where they would get him to run the bases around day five, then send him down for a couple minor league rehab appearances at Buffalo, and then get him back up. We'll see what happens with Bo, but I'd kind of be shocked if they didn't get Bo in a couple of games in Buffalo just to make sure that everything is okay before they brought him back up. But uh, I guess it'll depend on where the team is at and how bad they need him back at the time when he's ready. So, But uh, good news is, is we'll likely see him in a ball game before the end of August. So that's that one. Um, other news, Hunjin Ryu is going to make his next start against the Cubs, Patrick. He'll start game three on Sunday against the Cubs. Of course, he had taken the uh, comebacker off of the inside of his right knee versus Cleveland on Monday. Um, and he's all, he's all good to go, though, so no issues there. Did you want to go over the Chad Green? Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, Chad Green... In a rehab outing in Buffalo, he was, I think he was first eligible to come off his rehab assignment around, I think, Saturday or Sunday again, 12th through the 13th. But unfortunately, um, on a throwdown to second on an attempted caught stealing or attempted 
to attempting to catch a base runner stealing. Tyler Heineman caught Chad Green in the back of the dome with a with his throw. Um, for some reason, Chad Green didn't do what he's supposed to do and didn't duck. He just kind of stood there and took it. Um, so he took the ball in the back of the head, is now in MLB's concussion, concussion protocol. There's been no word as to if he actually has a concussion or not or the severity of that injury. But for now, Green is no longer rehabbing. And the good news is, is that if he, even if he does not have a concussion, because he has entered MLB's concussion protocol, the Blue Jays can extend his rehab assignment. And that'll give them some more time to make any corresponding roster moves or decide what they want to do there. It, on the other hand, it is unfortunate because he was a, a couple days away from being activated and would have given another nice boost to this bullpen. Not that the bullpen has been the problem lately, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, he'll be shut down for a few days while he goes through concussion protocol, and then we'll probably get an update, I'd imagine, tomorrow or over the weekend. So that's your injury updates. Uh, just to go double back on the Chad Green stuff, because we talked about this uh, before we started recording, it's kind of a, a unique situation with the Jays and how they could potentially handle Chad Green. They're obviously they want to get him into the onto the roster and, and, and pitching as soon as possible. But if he has ends up having a concussion or has a severe concussion and that limits his return to the game by the end of the year, he has a very unique contract. Um, do you want to take like two seconds? Let's just recap very briefly. Recap w how it works for the uh, for the fans for the audience. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. I have to pull it up again. I had already closed it, but uh, <laughs> you still had it up. No, That's, uh, I, I, didn't mean to I do moved that. on, but I'm already, I've already got it back. So, okay. Um, yes, the Chad Green contract is and isn't complicated. So originally, Patrick, it was a two-year, eight and a half million dollar deal that has multi-layered option structures. So this year. Um, he's, he's guaranteed two and a quarter million dollars, which made sense because he's rehabbing from Tommy John and was expected to be back kind of August to September, which about a quarter of a season if he was back in August. Unfortunately, he's going to get less games now than expected because of this injury to the head. So after that first year, Patrick, there were some options that could kick in. First the Blue Jays got a club option that would cover the 2024, 25, and 26 seasons, so the next three years, which would have paid Chad Green $9 million per year for a total of $27 million over those three years with annual performance bonuses of up to $1 million based on number of games pitched, which I don't have those numbers. If the Blue Jays, Patrick, were to decline that multi-year option, Chad Green would then get a player option for the 2024 season, so next year, worth six and a quarter million dollars with up to $2 million in bonuses based on games pitched. Now, if Chad Green were to decline that option, the Blue Jays would get a final $21 million option covering two years in 24 and 25, so $10.5 million per season with annual performance bonuses of up to $1 million based on games pitched. Now, in all likelihood, that third option would never be picked up. The Blue Jays would, if they're declining the first option, they're going to decline the third option as well. The only options, as far as you would get, it would be one, one or two. Either the Blue Jays are going to keep them, 
on the that initial three year option, or Chad Green is probably going to accept the six and a quarter million, unless for some reason he thinks he can get a bigger contract somewhere else for the next two or the next year. So it would only be a one year deal for Green um, if he were to, if he were to pick up his own option. So it is complicated, yeah. but it's either going to be three more seasons after this or one more season after this. That would be the only scenarios that I could see actually happening with this contract. How much is it per season the fir- for the first one? It'd be $9 million per, 27 okay. over three years. What's the second option? Uh, gr- the second option would be Chad Green has a one-year player option for six and a quarter. And then the third, and then the third option is a two-year deal worth $10.5 million per season. So that's why I'm saying it's either going to be the first or the second. And then the Blue Jays would never do ten and a half if they're not willing to do nine you know okay if it were me unless he comes back immediately and is like absolutely on fire then you would think that they're going to decline it because he has pitched he hasn't pitched for them it's not his fault he's he's been injured but you've got to think you wouldn't want to pay nine million dollars for three years for a guy who has pitched zero innings for you and you have no evidence that he's worth that money so you have to think that if he doesn't come back this year, they're definitely going to decline $9 million per year for a guy they, who's complete unknown. You're better off signing a free agent who played in 2023, right? Like, why would you? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So it's either, like you said, it's going to be a door number one or door number two. So he's either going to come back, be mediocre, get his option declined, or he's he'll... He, come back be incredible we pick it up or he doesn't come back at all it gets declined and chad green can choose an open market or not he'd probably rather term wouldn't he than six six and a half yeah i would i would think that he would probably initially decline that that second option as well too in which case the blue jays would also decline theirs that doesn't mean that they wouldn't try to renegotiate something else um but he would go into free agency probably looking for a two or three year deal, which for a reliever coming off of Tommy John surgery and potentially a concussion now, it may be hard to get. But he is a guy, of course, who's being highly serviceable, um, but is 32 years old. Um, so it would be tough for him to get, I think, more than a two year deal somewhere else. So it's it's hard to say though. He hasn't obviously hasn't pitched in the big leagues yet this year after only throwing 15 innings in the bigs last year before he had the Tommy Johns. So well yeah. it, it's really it's like you said it's really going to be dependent on when he's able to come back from now the concussion protocol and then how his performance is over the last say 40 games of the season in which I mean he could potentially get into 15 or so games over those last 45 if he were to even pitch every third game. So um, I would, I would, I would think the Blue Jays would not be hesitant to, to use him as he has been ramping up and was was planning to throw two innings against uh, in his last rehab starting was only four outs in before he took the ball in the head. So, a guy who can go multiple innings, you could use him for two innings every third game, kind of thing if you needed him. Kind of like how they're trying to use Bowden Francis right now, who by the way has done a great job in that role. Um, but yeah, Chad Green is a guy who I still think has a chance to make a good impact on this team. It just depends on how long this concussion keeps him out now. 
Yeah, and I'm not trying to be critical of, of Chad Green. It's not his fault that he is, has been out longer than expected. It's also not his fault that a freak accident yeah. caused him to go into concussion protocol. That's kind of it's it'd be ridiculous, but realistically, you don't pay nine million dollars for three seasons for a guy who has thrown zero pitches for yep. you and has no twenty twenty three pitches thrown. If that's what happens, sure. Yeah. So they're the Jays are in complete control of that situation. They're either going to mm-hmm. get a heavily discounted Chad Green for one year, or they're going to get. Uh, or they're just gonna say no thanks. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah, th- they have all of the leverage in this situation, no matter what way you look at it. So, it's worth the risk. And I mean, even if let's just say hypothetically he doesn't pitch, the Jays decline the first option. Chad Green does the second option, gets the six point five, comes in on a like show me kind of season for him. It's like I gotta prove that i still have it sure and he comes in and he sucks we just designate him for assignment yeah it wouldn't be the as end. bad then yeah yeah you still have to pay the rest of that deal but i mean it is what it is it'd be better but it's than, a year yeah it'd be better than having him for three years and having that money sunk on the books you know it, they already have to deal with that situation with other yeah other other pitchers who might potentially have to experience that in their mid to late 30s but i mean that's anticipating a lot. I don't think it's fair to go that far into the discussion. Probably not. Yeah. No. But. Anyways. <laughs> it's, it's worth talking about because oh, I yeah. think Chad 100%. Green is a good pitcher. I want to see him succeed in Toronto. But the leverage is completely on the organization's side as far as whether or not they decide to keep him beyond this season. Because yeah. the season's been kind of a wash. At least up to today. Up to this point in time. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, so, Let's talk about this this last this last week of games. Obviously, we, we don't. There's not too much to say about the series in Fenway because the Jays did a great job there and swept the Red Sox. Finally, yep. a successful series against an American League East team. They yep. they pitched relatively well. They hit great. Um, Davis Schneider was a kind of a revelation, <laughs> turned into himself into a bit of a cult hero after three games. Babe um, Schneider. Yeah, a couple home runs bunch of hits and get nine hits in the series and then in cleveland it kind of all went wrong for him he didn't have a hit in the series struck out i think seven times or something like that yeah. over the four games took a couple took a few walks which is it's nice yeah he does seem to have like competitive at bats uh works the count quite well but in the last couple of games they usually victimized by the high heater so uh, especially today they got him a couple times on the high heater but uh, I, I, this guy, another guy who plays multiple positions, played corner outfield, plays second base, another one of those flexible guys that the Blue Jays like, um, even let off in game one on Monday, which was a strange move. But uh, Whit Merrifield needed a day off, which is fair. George Springer has been heating up, Patrick. Uh, mm, we were talking I about didn't know him this. before the show. Uh, ever since his like one for 35 or whatever it was, he's now hitting 500 over the past seven games with one home run. Um, only four RBIs in that time because ever since he heated up, he's kind of been hitting, he was hitting lower in the lineup and then was moved back up to the four hole. Yeah, but how many runs has he scored? Uh, only five as well, but that's uh, still good. That's still really good. It's still, 
considering the, how hard it's been for them to score. Yeah, and the the reason for a lack of those runs and oftentimes has been the Jays' inability to, again, hit with runners in scoring position, which is becoming way too much of a theme with this team once again. You almost thought, like last episode we did, we, we heavily criticized the Blue Jays' approach and their hitting coaching staff. And then they go and blow out the Red Sox in, in, in three games, and you think, okay, they figured it out. And then they go to Cleveland and only score, what was it, like seven runs over the entire series? Yep. Um, over four games, and you're like, okay, well, what's the problem? I mean, you look at it. Uh, again, like the first the first game was 3-1 to one for the Blue Jays. They got a home run from Biggio in the eighth inning to to go up 2 to nothing, which was a great hit for Cavan. And then they only got they only got five hits in that game, but then you win the game there. That's the game where you took the comebacker in the knee. The bullpen was largely great. Uh, Jimmy Garcia was the only one who kind of had a sh- little bit of a shaky time. He was charged with an earned with an earned run, um, but Meza and and Hicks were able to seal that one up, even though it was a bit of an adventure. The Jordan Hicks experience was in full effect. Cardinals fans on Twitter were like, "Ah, you guys know the pain too of a guy who." has so much potential but it uh, doesn't doesn't show it sometimes game two was a one nothing loss patrick they wasted a dynamite start from the cooch you say kikuchi who has his I've, era yeah. down to 353 and has the lowest era in the in baseball since the all-star break for starting pitchers um i got a lot of feelings man about yeah, that tough luck loss game. and i mean the blue jays out hit the guardians nine to three um, they were two for eight with runners in scoring position, but again, it's the situational hitting um, that really that really cost them again, right? You in the bottom of the ninth inning against Eman- or top of the ninth inning against Emmanuel Class A, you got uh, a single from Varsho, uh, a flyout from Jansen, a strikeout from Biggio, and then another single from Chapman. So you've got two men on. With two outs, and Kirk unfortunately couldn't come up with the, with the big hit. He flew out to end the game. But it's just like you, you get all these chances, and in a game where your starter gives you seven shutout innings from a guy who had like an ERA around six last year, gives you gives you seven shutout innings, and it's been a, a complete turnaround for him, and you can't score him a single run. Like Kikuchi really got the Kevin Gosman experience. Um, and then Kevin Gosman also got the Kevin Gosman experience in, in game three, but thankfully George Springer hit a home run in the top of the first inning after a 13 pitch at bat, Patrick. Uh, it was just be- just before I stopped watching the inning because I had to go do other things. And that was the only run of the ball game. <laughs> it was just a, a classic, another classic pitcher's duel. Gosman was great over seven innings. He scattered four hits, struck out six, didn't walk a batter. Um, he was up against for the Guardians. Was it Logan Allen, I believe? Yeah, Logan Allen for the Guardians, who was relatively solid over five innings of one run ball. The Guardians bullpen gave up four more hits to the Blue Jays, who again out hit the Guardians eight to six, but were still only one for six of runners in scoring position. Thankfully the Guardians were 0 for six. And that was the difference there. And then today's game was a clusterfuck. Just I, the Blue Jays yeah. had two situations with the bases loaded i believe it was only two but they oh i say only two like that should have been more um but they out hit the guardians 10 to 5 but lost 4 to 3 and we can blame the the hitters all we want but it was another 
not great start for Alec Manoa, Patrick. Just you can look at the strikeouts and say, great, six strikeouts in four innings is awesome. But it was the three walks that hurt because especially those two walks in the fifth, they both ended up scoring after he got removed from the game. Um, I think one of them even got one of them scored before he got removed from the game because uh, Carvera came in and got a ground ball and one of the other runs scored. But it's just it's it's these walks to lead off innings it's the multiple walks per inning those are immediately going to destroy you if you give up those walks with nobody out especially because Manoa is just completely unable to control their running game people just start walking to second base and they're basically there because he just doesn't have any sort of pace any deceptive move it's just it seems so easy to steal on him and it's frustrating to watch. I think my big complaint about the, the the Cleveland series was this was the worst, some of the worst hitting from the team I think I've seen. And it, what it's crazy because they have hits. It's just every yeah, time situational hitting is what you mean, right? Their situational hitting is bit. This is the worst I've seen it in probably twenty years. It's mm-hmm. just like it's. It's like they shrinking violet or something like i don't even know how else to describe it it's just like they transform into t-ball hitters they just can't generate anything they had a noble tiger last night uh and they were able to squeeze a win due to just incredible pitching um and i'm actually going to give all the pitching staff including alec manoa a pass they were very serviceable against boston getting the three wins and I couldn't really ask for better pitching from any of them. I know Alec Manoa has specific limitations right now and that he's just not... He's got a lot of non-competitive pitches being released from his hand. Um, and, yeah, like, he bears responsibility for that. But overall, the pitching has been terrific. Yes. These are four games they should have won. They should have won all four of them. But the situational hitting was so poor. Yeah. Ryu, Ryu was throwing a no-hitter until he got hit in the leg. So, Yeah, and a freak accident. Yeah. Again, can't really blame him for that. Can't no. really blame anybody really for that. But You can blame the umpire because he missed the third strike call on the pitch before he got hit. So Yeah, I don't want to get – I'm don't. i just kidding. I, I'm, I'm somewhat kidding. I'm not blaming the umpire for the uh, – Yeah, I don't want to give umpire static because it's just too easy at this point. It's <laughs> obvious that 100% of MLB fans want robo-wumps yeah. unless they're – you know, we'll talk about that in the future because I, I have I have thoughts on this. So we yeah there there yeah there needs to be a more nuanced conversation in the future about robo wumps. But for now, I can't really say that I'm mad at umpires for either any of these losses either. And it's only look they went five and two. That's a great week of baseball yeah. for the yeah. Jays. It was exactly what they needed to turn things around. That being said, in that same seven game span, Seattle has won all seven games. And they are now one and a half games back of the third wild card spot. And if you compare the two schedules for the next 20 games, the Jays have a much harder schedule. 13 out of Seattle's next 20 games are against teams like Kansas City, Chicago White Sox, Oakland Athletics. We're talking about the cream of the crap. So (laughs) Toronto really needs to figure it out when it comes to their runner and scoring position woes i don't want to hear about how they were five for 13 today it doesn't matter yes 
They didn't cash in the runs when they needed to. And I, the one player I would put on blast for today, and maybe it's not fair because it was only one at bat, Alejandro Kirk's at bat was a backbreaker. Um, it hurt a lot. There were several pitches outside the zone that would have been ball four that he swung at uh, and fouled off. And it was so frustrating because if Danny Jansen wasn't injured, Danny Jansen is the more experienced hitter, and he would have likely held off on those pitches. He would have been more situationally aware. And that's an RBI walk to tie the game. Yeah, the, it's, the it game, is frustrating. It's, but again, we're dealing in hypotheticals, and I don't think it's really necessarily fair to levy too much onto uh, that one at bat because Kirk wasn't the only one who blew it. Right. Uh, Nathan Lucas uh, has not been good in all of his appearances as a J. I think he's hitting 200. That's correct. Um, I do wish the Jays could have found literally anybody in the tra- at the trade deadline for like a non. There really, there really wasn't prospect. anyone available, unfortunately. That's the problem. But somebody who could hit better than 200. I mean, Spencer Horowitz. Yeah, look, we could talk. We could talk at length about how Spencer Horowitz and Addison Barger would have would be better options than Nate Lucas at this point. But I, I don't know why they like the guys they like. They do. They're doing it with Manoa uh, in the rotation. Yeah. He's clearly should doesn't justify a rotation spot, but they're gonna force the issue. Uh, and they'll look like geniuses if it works, but if it if they look if it doesn't work and the team misses the playoffs because of these starts, I'm definitely gonna be letting her rip. Yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said about continuing to not make changes. And I mean, I thought I thought when they called up Davis Schneider that it was gonna be the signal that the team was ready to kind of become more a bit more serious about giving guys who are having great minor league seasons at triple a a chance to do it in the big leagues and i mean barger's overall numbers for the season aren't great but that's because he was hitting horribly before he went out with an elbow injury but has since been on a tear um and and horowitz has an on base percentage of i think over 400 this season in triple a He's not a huge power power guy, but I mean, I would take the on-base skills and the ability to actually take walks over the inability of everything Nathan Lucas has brought to the table. His defense has been fine, but I mean, you you don't like you you, you said it earlier when we were <laughs> talking about Dalton Varsho off mic, like how many runs has he scored? Right? It's not enough is the answer for either one of those two guys, Lucas or Varsho, this season. But at the same time, it's like you keep Varsho because he's the best outfield defender in baseball, according to uh, defensive run saved anyway. And you bring up a guy like Horwitz who can play corner outfield, can play first base too, which unfortunately you have Brandon Belt and Vladdy, but a guy who can at least go out and play right field. Um, and you jettison Nathan Lucas from the roster and give somebody else a chance. So. Yeah, they got to start making tougher decisions when it comes to lineup construction. Got to be ruthless. Well as, <laughs> and the other thing too is like the the their approach at the plate. Like Vladdy should be hitting 
you know, uh, his floor should be 280. I have no idea what the hell is and, happening. And to I him said this it before year. too. He's his expected terrible. batting average is like 300 for the season. The the contact, yeah. everything is there, but unfortunately, the results haven't been there because his BABIP is criminally low. So it's he might hit 20 home runs this year. He might. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think it is a little bit of bad luck, but I I don't really yeah. believe in luck that off that much, not to that extent anyway. And I just feel like you're, you're right. Like Vladdy's numbers, they don't lie. They haven't been good. So it's, it's just the, the fact that they they moved Springer down when he was struggling. Like why aren't they moving Vladdy up at the top three right now? Just saying. I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer those questions. Like it's we could go around in circles all night about lineup construction and yeah management decisions as far as uh, how they do the rotation and and why Alec Manoa is still pitching as a, a starter. I just, I don't see why you don't send him to AAA and have him log crazy innings for the rest of the year to just get his shit together. Yeah. But I guess they believe that this is the team to make the big push. Um, mm. I don't know, man. Objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. You look behind us right now and Seattle is that... They're getting larger in that rearview mirror, and I, I don't like that. I just think you have to make tough calls. Like you have to look at like what else does do Barger and, and um, Horowitz have to do to get the yeah. opportunity? What is Nathan Lucas bringing to this team that either of those two guys can't? Exactly. And the other thing too is, look, I love David Schneider for that incredible weekend. Um, invisible. Actually, he was a net negative, really, against Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I, he he's came got out a, a couple times with the bases loaded today and couldn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, his season numbers still look fantastic because it's such a small sample and hey, size. Like, but, he, like, <laughs> guys go over 9 or over 10 or whatever all the time. Yeah. And it, it just, I mean, he's, he's under the microscope because of how he came in like a battle of the hell. But I think... If he were to go, I think, over again or not perform well in this Cubs series, then I think you probably see him go back down and have a Horowitz come up, I would say, would be yeah, a, a logical conclusion to make. If they Even if um, they stomp the Cubs, uh, if he goes like 0 for 9 again or 0 for 10, even if they sweep, you've got to make the changes. you got to give yourself the best opportunity to win yeah. every game. Exactly. Which is why Manoa should be in AAA, and exactly why Nathan Lucas should be in AAA, and you got to call up the guys who are performing for you. Um, was there any update? Is Mitch White in Buffalo now? Yes, he cleared the, he cleared waivers and I'm was outrated to Buffalo. Um. <laughs> That's got to be the end of the story for him. I don't think Thomas Hatch was claimed either, so um, those guys will finish the year in Buffalo and then. I don't know what they're going to do, but the Jays probably won't retain them. They might get a like a tryout offer, but like you've got guys who are in AAA who might. The warrant. Pirates claimed Thomas Hatch, by the way. Oh, did they? Yeah. Good for him. Good luck. Out in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, or what's Pittsburgh's AAA affiliate? Uh, is it? I don't know what that is anymore. I'm not even sure. They changed all their affiliates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple seasons ago, after, after yeah, COVID. so they're not. Yeah, anyway, Indi that's where Thomas Indianapolis be. Indians at Victory Field are the uh, AAA affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Honestly, why why wouldn't you just change that fucking name? Like, is it that 
Anyway, we don't have to get into that. That's not what we're here for. Not getting political today. <laughs> no, we're not. I mean, I don't even think it's a political thing. No, I don't it's think just, it is. Either, just... I was thinking of the Altoona curve for some reason. That was because that's their double A team. Mm. So yeah, their Altoona's in, in Pennsylvania, I think. And that's what I was thinking of. Anyway, good luck to Thomas Hatch. But like, you've got Zach Pop, you've got Nate Pearson, you've got uh yeah. Yasrazu Lueda or is he hurt? Uh, I think he's still pitching. Just not well this season really. But I mean yeah. you've also got Chad Green, you'll have Trent Richard or yeah, Trevor Richards coming off the IL at some point towards the beginning of September. Uh with his neck inflammation. I didn't I guess I didn't do an update on him. He's they're they're, they're thinking early September for him with the, the inflammation in his neck. Uh, but let's talk about the, the Cubs because we wanted to kind of keep this episode a little bit shorter than, than normal. We're already over half an hour. so There is one stat I want to talk about, okay. and it is the number of double plays the Toronto Blue Jays have grounded into. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, they're second in Major League Baseball. <laughs> Uh, unless something has changed recently. I don't I think it has. Would, I, uh, I Miami go. has 119. The Jays have 99. I don't know if that includes stats from today or not. I'm pulling this from Stat News. Mm-hmm. But that is second in MLB, and that is painful to read, especially when, like, if you look at it's some of the other It's unsurprising, though. It's not, because between Kirk and Guerrero, there's, that's 95 of them right there. Probably. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But the thing is, like, it, they're not that far out of, like, the average. The average is around, like, 84, 85. So, like, they're slightly above average. If Vladdy has a good season, then maybe they're average. But, like, having so many guys just drop off when it comes to power mm-hmm. has been brutal. But they have three individual players in the top ten for grounding into the double play, like, for that play. Yep. And no other team has more than one. So I'm going to guess Vladdy, Kirk, and Springer. Uh, it goes Springer, Kirk, and then Vladdy. Okay. I was just guessing the three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was right up, uh, ripped right off of Reddit. I saw that uh, post. I Sorry, I just closed it. I'll see if I can find the name of the dude. Control-Shift-T. What is Control Shift T, man? Opens up your most recent tab. If uh, Homegrown Cone was the one who posted that on uh, Blue Jays Shout uh, out. Reddit <laughs> four hours ago. It's a good stat, and yeah. but it's another thing that just points to the approach that the the plate is not is not working the way that we would like it to, ideally. Uh, but yeah, let's preview the let's talk about the Cubs. For sure. Um, do you want to talk about the Cubs themselves, or do we want to just get into? Let's the talk about the Cubs themselves because uh, from going going from a team who was two weeks before the trade deadline projected to be sellers to now being a team who are two and a half games out of the division lead in the National League Central is pretty crazy. They lost today, but they've they've been on a pretty good streak. They actually have a plus sixty six run differential now, which is actually nine better than the Blue Jays. And it's the best in their division because the division-leading Milwaukee Brewers have an, an even run differential at zero. Um, so the Cubs are actually probably right now the best team in the National League Central. The Cubs are doing it with hitting. They while are. The Brewers are doing it with very strong pitching. Correct. Very strong. Um, and Marcus Stroman's now on the injured list for the Cubs, too, after he was pitching absolutely terribly. So it probably makes sense as to why he's now on the IL. Something wasn't right there. Um, yeah. 
but I mean, you look at the you look at the National League, and the Diamondbacks have completely fallen off a cliff. They've lost eight games in a row, and have gone from being like a half game up in their division to now two and a half out of a wild card spot, Close. and behind, and they're behind the the Reds and the Cubs now. Or the Cincinnati has also fallen off. A Cincinnati cliff has also fallen off. Yeah, they're two and eight in their last ten as well. So went from um, division lead to third. They're, I mean, Cincinnati are half a game back. Arizona are two and a half games back of the third wild card. Yeah. Miami is also crumbling, and they're currently in the, the third wild card. So it's like almost all these teams uh, that were previously either in a division lead or in a wild card spot have had miserable ten days. Yeah. Like absolutely fucking miserable. The Brutal. even San Francisco, who are five and five and have lost their last two games, have failed upwards into a wild card spot, and they are now <laughs> three games clear of Chicago. Yeah. It's very odd. It's uh it's definitely the opposite of the American League wild card race, which we kind of talked yeah. about already. Seattle's nine and one in their last ten and are now only a game and a half behind the Blue Jays. It's because all of the American League teams are absolutely stomping the National League. Well, and the American League teams are beating up on each other. Like, the Twins have lost three in a row. Um, Texas has lost. Like, they've lost recently. I mean, and you look at Tampa Bay. Like they're only four and a half up on the Blue Jays now. Um, whereas before, I mean, they were, like, almost up 20 games at one point, I think. Crazy implosion. Yeah, they're they're six and four in their last ten. Same record as the Blue Jays. But, uh the Astros are seven and three, their last ten. Blue Jays are six and four, but Seattle's nine and one, and they're the only team that's really making up ground in the wild card race. They're one and a half back of the Blue Jays, and then it goes to Boston at four and a half, and the Yankees at five. Um, the Red Sox still have to play the uh, Royals today. They haven't done that yet. I think but. it's fair that we can heap dirt onto Detroit, Chicago, Kansas City, and Oakland for the wild card, and Cleveland. Yeah, is, yeah. Cleveland's is, right on the very edge. They're teetering. They're on the. They're on the ropes, and the only way I see them having a path into the playoffs is winning the division. And, and they're, they're not even out. really that far behind. Three and a Minnesota. half back there, yeah. Yeah, so only one of those teams is making it. We can't throw dirt on them, but they're now, even though we have more games against them, still I think three more. Three more. They they do not pose a direct threat to us as a wild card team because they're eight and a half back. That's right. It require a pretty significant collapse from Toronto for. <laughs> Cleveland has to leapfrog, leapfrog literally five teams yeah, to get to us. Yeah, they have to, their only, the only path for the AL Central to get into the playoffs is through their own division because they are a dumpster fire of a division. So, The Angels are pretty close to being toast, but they have won two games in a row. They're still six and a half back, though, and it's not going to get any easier for them. They have to play Houston starting tomorrow, and Houston are on the struggle bus uh, or have been on the struggle bus a little bit lately. We're kind of keeping up with them. Like neither team seems to be like really rocketing ahead of the other. They've traded p places a little bit over the last couple weeks. Uh, yeah. The Yankees are close to dead, which is great. They're struggling, which you love to see, but uh, never rule them out. They, yeah. I they could win ten in a row, and I they don't could. think anyone. Any would of be these surprised. teams could. And this any any of these teams really could win ten in a row. But uh, let's talk about the Cubs pitching now, Patrick. Yeah. Um, tomorrow's game is going to be another one of those stupid Apple TV games. So if you like me and you don't have Apple TV, you have to listen to the radio network or enjoy something else. Um, 
it's going to be Jose Barrios for the Blue Jays, who this season is really rebounded just like Kikuchi has. He's 9-7 and seven with a 3.38 ERA. He's going to be going up against Javier Assad, who is a, a young, mostly reliever for the Cubs. He's kind of, I think he's in Marcus Stroman's spot in the rotation now. Um, he started a game on August the 5th against the Atlanta Braves, the best team in baseball. He only went three and two-thirds innings. It took him 83 pitches to do so, but only gave up two runs in that game. Um, he was able to scatter five hits and two walks, including a home run over those th three and two-thirds. But this is a guy, it's, it's interesting to me that they're going with him in the first game of the series because... Unless he can go more than three and two-thirds, you're going to get into your bullpen early in the weekend, which is potentially good news for the Blue Jays. And Brios has been pretty steady in terms of going six or so innings. Um, and, I mean, the Jays are coming in. They didn't use, except for Meza, they didn't really use any of their high leverage relievers in this game because Garcia pitched, but, I mean, he's medium leverage now. And you look at Brios, Patrick, he's coming off of uh, a really good start against Boston, I would say. I mean, it could have been a little bit better, but he kind of got a little bit of bad luck in that last uh, inning he was in. He went five and two-thirds, gave up three runs off of one home run. All, he hit a batter but didn't walk anyone, struck out six. Start before that was six innings of one-run ball. He hasn't given up more than three runs since June the 30th. Um, it's been just a tremendous stretch for him, but again, he has suffered from a lack of run support. He went 0-1 in in july patrick with a 184 era that's insane uh he didn't give up more than two runs in his start his shortest start was five innings of two-run ball against the dodgers the jays won some of those games but of course they weren't winning when brios left the game so he doesn't get credit for it but uh it just goes to show you that outside of that offensive outburst against the red sox last weekend the jays just haven't been able to, to score runs for the last five or six weeks now yeah struggling is the right word um, let's talk a little bit about the Saturday matchup. Now, this is the big, this is the this game. This is a good day, yeah. If this is, if you're going to watch any of these three games, this is the one that not only has, I think, the best pitching matchup or the most even pitching matchup, mm -hmm. but also uh, is a very important day in Blue Jays history. Sure is. Tell us about it. Yeah, on Saturday, August the 12th, Jose Bautista's number and name are going to get placed on the level of excellence, Patrick Marsh. Yes, and he'll be uh, joining, what is it, Tony Fernandez. Uh, Roy Halladay, Joe Carter, Tom Tony Cheek. Is Tony up there? I think Tony's up yeah, there. Yeah, Tony's up there. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of names that are up there. I can never remember them all, but uh, not retiring the number, but... Uh, putting on the level of excellence, recognizing the yep. great Jose Bautista's Toronto Blue Jay career. Um, I'm sure we'll see lots of cool video before and during the broadcast. Uh, the bat flip will be up there. The 54 home run season will be included in there. Um, one of the best sluggers in baseball for a few years, Jose Bautista. Who would have thought? Um, that'll, be, probably, that'll be a cool thing. Probably the number two moment in Toronto baseball history. Behind Joe Carter. <laughs> I don't think anything can top the How Joe do you Carter top a World run? Series winning home run? Like I don't well, you can't a World Series that, winning perfect game, maybe. The like, that's about flip, it. <laughs> that backflip home run changed my life. Yeah. Uh it's my second favorite non World Series moment because I still love 
the delicious uh, revenge of Edwin belting the home run in the wild card game mm-hmm. off Ubaldo Jimenez. And the bat flip is part of our podcast name. <laughs> yep. It was part of the reason that we chose the name that we did was the bat flip. So Jose, baby. Jose, Jose, Jose. <laughs> Man, the, uh, I think the, the dome is going to be... It's going to be bumping. Yeah. It's going to bob- be... There's a bobblehead pregame ceremony. It's going to be packed. It's going to be banging. You know Edwin will be there. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, Edwin uh, is employed by the team. Yeah, um, I'm sure they'll have yeah. lots of the players from that from that era and the other boys. Blue Jay greats who played with Jose Bautista present. Yeah. Um, it'll be cool to see see some. I'm sure there'll be a few cool na- names there in attendance, but it'll be nice to see what they have planned for the pregame. Get to see Joey should Bats back in Toronto again. Should we talk about Justin Steele? Because I would love to really talk about him. Yeah, he's... A tremendous left-handed pitcher, Patrick. And you know how we feel about lefties on this show. Uh, I mean, they're a rare commodity we love in, <laughs> in baseball. And this guy's having a terrific season yep. with a 2.6 ERA. Uh, all the metrics are terrific. Do you want to run through them? Let's I've go through it. Up. Yeah, I okay. mean, a guy who's not going to walk people, he's not a huge strikeout guy, but he does a great job of limiting hard contact and i think that's where you'll see the blue jays kind of struggle we, we saw it today right a guy in Cindergard who gave up a ton of hits but the jays couldn't score off of him i think we'll probably see the same thing against justin Steele. you might see a, a base runner or two every inning but i think you're going to struggle to move them around because they're going to have to hit their way on and hit their way around because he's not getting up those three passes um doesn't get a ton of whiff but does get guys to chase which means he's going to be initiating a lot of that soft contact, which makes sense because of his hard hit metrics being so low. Uh, a, a guy with a, a 92 mile an hour average four seam fastball from the left side, he's going to throw you his slider around 83. Uh, the sinker, uh, he works in there as well too briefly, but he's basically a Robbie Ray replica with less velocity. He's a fastball slider lefty. Very common these in this day and age. And a guy who has been tremendous for Chicago this year. And I'm actually, I'm looking, for, it's always nice to see these teams that we don't see often. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching this game for sure. Yeah. It, the thing I like most about Justin Steele is even though his fastball isn't really, uh, he's not really a, like a flamethrower. Yeah. Uh, in fact, his fastball is slightly below what would be considered league average. I know right. that means nothing. But his location is excellent. Tremendous. Uh, when you compare it to his slider, the two heat maps are delicious, the way mm-hmm. that they work. Because you go fastball off-speed, fastball off-speed. He's got to be absolutely infuriating uh, to be in the batter's box against because he doesn't walk anybody, like you said. He's not a guy who overwhelms you, but you're not going to get uh, a hard contact. So I don't know how they're going to scratch the runs to get – the dub but it this is this is probably the toughest pitching we've seen in a little while no disrespect to anybody we've faced the last week but yeah the guardians uh, were were tough too they <laughs> were tough wise. they were tough but that was a winnable series yeah um, it was they the jays are gonna have to score runs to beat the cubs i don't know how they're gonna do and it gonna i mean what's what's odd is that opponents are hitting 265 against his fastball but it the power like it it's have, just yeah. not 
there. It's going to be Bloop City at best. So yep. I don't know what you do. You could, Brandon Belt ain't running around those bases. Fast, so <laughs> somebody's, um, somebody's got to do the work. But Chris Bassett, I think, you know yeah. what's funny? You, you go and you look at all of the, the Jays starters. Chris Bassett has had a, a good season. Um, in terms of his ERA, I think he's fourth. Yeah, probably. He's actually fourth behind yeah. Kikuchi, Barrios, and Gossman. Yeah. And the he's still Jays having a great season. Four starters under four earned run average. I think it was the, somebody said it was like the first time since like the late 80s or something that they've had that at this point in the season. Yeah. And, and we've seen like they showed on the broadcast the Blue Jays have the best pitching ERA in baseball. They've had the most uh, games where their starters have gone six innings while giving up one or less runs. Like, their their pitching has been fine. We we haven't really complained about that at all outside of Alec Manoa all season. Um, and I mean, I'm never gonna complain about anybody outside of like the, the, those four guys you just mentioned, like Bassett, Brios, Kikuchi, and and Gosman. They've all been terrific. It, Bassett's sinker <laughs> yeah. is one of the best. It's so good in baseball and has been now for two years. Yep. Uh, the cutter has declined dramatically. It's a bad cutter. Uh, I'm not going to get into this. We've talked ad nauseum you about don't like cutters. cutters. Yeah. I don't. Uh, when they're good, they're very good. Yeah. Uh, his was good last year. This year, it is not. Opponents mm-hmm. are hitting 299 against it with a 571 slug which means it's getting taken for a ride. I don't yep. like that. Um, but he doesn't, like, that's his second most frequent pitch. He's probably dialed back on that recently. He's changed it recently, yeah. Yeah, bit. the four-seamer has been tagged quite a bit. Opponents are hitting 294 against it. But between the sweeper, the changeup, uh, and the curveball, they're all very serviceable pitches, and really it's all about that sinker. Yeah. Uh, Bassett has the type of pitch mix that is, very frustrating to both watch and hit against <laughs> because you don't know what you're going to get and two out of seven options kind of suck. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Game three starter, Patrick. We're very familiar with this guy. It's Jamison Tayon. Of course, spent some time with the Yankees over the last couple seasons. Uh, went to Chicago in the offseason. So far, not having the best season. He's uh, six, seven and six overall, but has a... Uh, 517 earned run average um has been better as of late though patrick since uh july the second was his last really truly awful start he gave up six runs in five innings there only four of them were earned but since then has not given up more than three runs in a start and is coming off a stretch of one run one run two run two run starts he went seven innings against the New York Mets his last time out. Gave up those two runs. Didn't walk a batter and struck out seven. So it seems like he's figured it out. So this is a guy where y- you can't look at his numbers and think, oh, it's an easy pitching matchup. You have to look at the what have you done for me lately. And yeah, he was a 267 ERA in July, which is, and that included that one terrible start to start the month off. So yeah. his curveball has fallen off uh, a, a friggin' cliff this year. Um, there's no other nice way to say it. His four-seamer, same thing, falling off a cliff. Uh, it's the difference, I think, between regular old Jamison Tayon and this year. The fastball's, the location's not good. Um, the curveball is, it, it, it's just not there. He, he hasn't thrown it as much. 
if I understand these numbers correctly, yep. uh, there's been a decline and an increase in, guess what, his cutter. <laughs> uh, the fastball, just, yeah, like I said, fastball and curveball just haven't been good enough this year. A, a tough year for a guy who signed a deal and is just... Struggling a bit. <laughs> he, yeah, he's on the struggle bus. There's no other way to say it. Um, Ryu, on the other hand, I, I don't even... There's not really We can't really go into him yet. Yeah. But, I mean, coming off of a start where he had to leave because he got hit in the leg and was no hitting the Guardians at the time, like, it seemed like he was almost back to his old self. The change-up command was terrific. The cutter command was great. Like, he was, he was looking like Hunjin Ryu again. It was really really fun to watch in all honesty and it's just too bad that it ended the way it did because he was pitching so incredibly well in that in that start 2020 Ryu was awesome 2021 Ryu was good too but yeah it's just been a shit it was hurt shit 18 months for him in 2022 yeah yeah but uh uh, 18 months for him but let's uh, on the upside I just want to talk about this a little bit more before we conclude the podcast I know we already have five starters signed for next season if Ryu looks good, do you think there's even a, a realm of possibility where the Jays play with the idea of a six-man rotation and sign him for another short deal? Or do you think he's just, this is it. This is probably his last ride. Look, the, in, in my opinion, so let's say Ryu finishes up the season and looks great. My opinion would be to sign Hunjin Ryu to like a one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal if you feel If, you feel if he's cocky. interested. Yeah. If he's interested. And I would say the the fifth starting spot is between you and Alec Manoa in camp and whoever pitches better gets it. And if it's if it's Ryu, Manoa can go to triple A. Um if it's not Ryu, they could say, Well, we'll try and trade you or something. You know? Because he's not Ryu's not gonna be a guy who's gonna go pitch in Buffalo. And he's not a no. he's, he's not a guy you're gonna put in the bullpen because he doesn't have the velo. Um but if he's pitching better than Alec Manoa in spring training, I say you go with Ryu to start the season if, if he's under contract, you know? I Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. I think Ryu maybe tries to go back to the West Coast. Um, if, if, he, if he has a good finish to the season, I'm sure a lot of teams will be interested in signing him to a one-year one year deal. Yeah, L.A., San Francisco. L.A., both. San Fran, wherever Shohei ends up, you know? Like, there could be some teams who are looking for some I, I you could say like lower salary high risk options in a Shohei Otani situation yeah, because they're going to Shohei is going to get signed to like a billion dollar deal so the teams are going to have to fill their roster out somehow and a guy like yeah, Ryu Rio could ain't be that shot 20 million again Rio's no I don't think so 15 million no so. he might be like a two-year 24 million dollar 12 per kind of guy no I still see that as an overpay. No in this in Jordan. this economy, though. <laughs> it, well, yeah. If pitching, the thing is, like the Jays do not have to be concerned whatsoever with starting pitching. They can invest their money in either signing their young players to long term deals, or go out there and trying to keep Matt st- Chapman. Maybe you know. Try to keep Matt Chapman or dump a shitload of money into a center fielder who can yeah. hit with power. Giving Matt Chapman. Or giving Danny Jansen his 15-year mega deal worth 450 <laughs> billion dollars. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, the thing is, they're going to have to make a decision on that soon as well. Danny Jansen only has so many arbitration years left. You got to yeah. think they're going to keep him though, because he's been a mainstay with all these other 
starting starting pitchers. He could he can catch anybody on the team. Right. So yep. you got to think, Danny ain't going nowhere. So you're gonna have to pay him. Kirk, you've got tons of time to 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 make a decision. Yeah, you kind of play uh, that one by ear a little bit. Oh, you kind of have to. I mean, he's been bad this year, and I don't. He's not gonna have any interest in negotiating a long term deal after uh, a season to forget. But I digress. I only wanted to talk about Ryu because he's a guy that means a lot to Toronto, despite the fact that he's missed a year and a yeah. bit. Um, it is an interesting he's, topic. He's well, well loved. Yeah, and it's an interesting topic that I'm sure, depending on how he pitches, will come up again, right? If, if he's yeah. pitching well, we're definitely going to have to talk about it again. Um, but again, that's, that's a big if uh, at this point. Yep. But I think that'll be it for us. Um, yes, again, sir. as always, find us on the website, formerly known as Twitter, at BFMD Podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcast episodes. Uh, I'm Justin Anderson in Saskatoon for Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, and we will see you next time.